I'm Matthew. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. Um, I'm also the guy who started the church, so 16 years ago. Uh, nearly 17, actually. So very exciting. Just a small group to start with, just in uh, and my house. And yeah, it's grown since then, so it's great. And planted out uh, another church into West Lothian. Uh, before I get kick off, and we're going to be talking about leadership uh, tonight. We've done a two-parter. Uh, Luke uh, started us off last week. If you haven't heard that, you kind of need to hear both bits. Uh, but listen to mine first if you haven't heard it last week, obviously. Uh, but go back and you can kind of listen to it on the email. Also, there's kind of a leadership document you can download, read it all through at your leisure, and actually see what do we really believe about leadership uh, at King's Church. Okay? Uh, so, as I said, Luke did last week. He looked at the five D's of display, direction, definition, uh, discipline, and delegation. Um, these are all kind of doing things. What does an elder do? Uh, and uh, tonight I'm going to be looking at kind of the character of an elder. What is an elder? What, what is he like? What is he actually, uh, what's his character like? What are the kind of traits and um, what we see is we'll be looking at First uh, Timothy three, okay, which is kind of echoed. Paul echoes it uh, in Titus one. These are two guys, Titus and Timothy, that he has sent out to various churches, and their job was really to go and to strengthen them, but actually to set in, to lay in elders, to actually looking at who ha- is God raising up in this uh, group of believers that can actually lead this church. And um, in, a, in three weeks' time, okay, uh, we are believing that we are going to add to our current eldership group. So there's Luke, um, who's leading the meeting tonight, myself and Dan, who leads the team now. Okay, Dan Hudson, he's away on holiday this week. Um, and uh, we're going to add to that another three guys, which is Sandy, Andy, and Chris. And uh, as part of this process, we're actually saying we got we've we've had an email kind of emailing in saying, "Yeah, I know this guy. Yeah, this this is good." Or you know, or I've got a little. I'm not so sure here. We want to hear your heart. We really do want to hear your heart. Uh, And I'll be talking about that a bit more right at the end. Uh, And in the newsletter, there's ways of kind of connecting with that and sending off the email. You've got five days. Okay, so it's it's, it's now getting quite near the end of that process. We've then got a couple of weeks and then we're actually going to be, if all is well and good, we're going to lay hands um, on these three guys uh, on the 3rd of November. Um, so there we go. That's kind of why I'm actually teaching into eldership tonight. I love this quote from Terry Virgo, um, who kind of was the, the guy who started this whole kind of movement that we're part of called New Frontiers. Okay, uh, I know Terry quite well um, over the years, over the decades. Uh, and this is what he wrote on eldership. Leaders are needed who will genuinely inspire a following by their godly character and charismatic gifting. God-given leadership provides security, motivation, and direction. 
A leader who knows he is genuinely called and loved of God brings peace and security to a local church. The writer of the Hebrews says uh, to the church about elders, he says them, imitate their faith. So we see here a part where actually he's saying, actually, we need people that we can look at and say, what is it like to follow Jesus? And we need people that we can follow in that process. So we can say, yeah, we've got the word of God. We've got prayer. But actually, it's really good seeing how does this person deal with this issue, this difficulty, this situation that their parent has just died. <clears throat> or there's kind of sickness or there's kind of issues. Uh, they're dealing with the kind of marriage or fractious kids. You know, they're dealing with different things in their life. And it's actually really good to see how they handle that in just normal life. So imitate their faith. These, um, I'm going to be looking at 10 characteristics. Okay. And basically I'm saying, I think these characteristics are things which all of us, the whole church, can actually look at and thinking, that would be great. I would really love to have those things. Things like trusting in God and honoring in terms of marriage, raising a family well, remaining gentle in dealings with other people, caring for people, leading disciplined lives, having a good report with those outside the church as well as those within. Those are things that we can all look at and say, no, no, those are really great things. I, I, I want to be like that too. We're just saying what Paul's raising in Titus and Timothy is actually, these are things that we expect to see now in people that we're raising up as, as elders in the church. Elders are, again, as Luke would have said last week, it's a team. We're actually, we're not, we what we see in the New Testament isn't just a senior pastor model, like one guy was the pastor or something. We actually see a team of men that actually were together, called of God, that are working together to lead the church. So let's look at the scripture um, here in 1 Timothy 3, uh, reading from the NIV. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well, see that his children obey him. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And if anyone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of the church of God? God's church. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So looking at this kind of list and array of characteristics is interesting, isn't it? That actually Paul, the only real one there is about the ability to teach. The others are about character. And he raises up character. He says, look at the character. And we're going to look at these things. And I'm dividing it into two main bits. 
The first five are about managing yourself. And the second one is about managing others. Okay, so they're kind of two, two different parts, connected, yes. Uh, and then finally we will look at uh, able to teach. So let's, uh, let's kick these off. So, first and foremost, above reproach. Okay, what does that mean? Um, Titus uses, when, when Paul's talking to Titus, he uses the word blameless. Being um, above reproach means, it doesn't, it doesn't just mean don't do this. Don't be found in this sin. Don't, be, don't get into that thing, okay? So that's kind of like, that's, you would think that's kind of where it is. Well, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do those things. No, no, above reproach means there shouldn't even be a little hint of those things. It shouldn't, you shouldn't actually be thinking, well, what, what, did, 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 he, did he do that or did he not? Well, maybe a kind of gray area, a kind of a rumor. There shouldn't be any rumor. There shouldn't be any room. There shouldn't be any room for rumor. It actually should be... a they're actually above reproach in that area. So it's a high standard. Yeah? I love the fact that Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, he, he really had, throughout his whole ministry, his long ministry, he never really had any rumors that were made against him. His moral reputation was impeccable. And you know, partly this was due to the fact that he made a rule that he was never to travel alone. He was always either with his wife or he was with a male colleague. There was never a moment that the enemy could actually trip him up. He made sure that there was no foothold that the enemy could get to gain purchase into his life. I think that knowing one needs to be above reproach means being careful not to place oneself in a position where you could be prompt compromised I know only too well having kind of been in ministry for for decades that actually it only takes one moral slip even a rumor of it can actually it doesn't just affect my reputation and my credibility okay it affects all my fellow elders and it also affects the whole church Paul says we need to have a good report Outside the church as well as inside the church. Verse 7. It's not just within the community of believers but everywhere. That means work colleagues. That means we need, you know, when we're at work, we're not harsh. We're not swearing on the side. We're not contentious. We're not flirtatious. There needs to be a consistency. My integrity no matter where I am, needs to be the same. It's not like, you know, some clothes that I put on and in this situation I'm like this and in this situation I'm like that. No, no. <laughs> it's like I need to be consistent wherever I am. So that actually says, no, no, no. Wherever, you know, meet him in the airport, he's still going to be there. He's still going to be in the same thing. He's still going to have an integrity that runs through. A, a sense of a, uh, I think there's a sense of being feeling that I'm God's watching all the time and I, there isn't a moment when I can think, oh, I'll just kind of like put that aside. No, I'm always in that place where I'm saying, Lord, I want my life. No. Somebody's looking at any moment that actually I want it to be one that is impeccable, that is above 
reproach. Secondly, there's this issue of being uh, not addicted to wine. This is, um, again, a, a, it's not just about not getting drunk, okay? But it's about not being addicted to wine or, or alcohol. Now, let me say this. Paul isn't saying you can't drink alcohol, okay? He's not saying that. He, he says a little bit later on in the same letter to Timothy, look, you know, take some wine for your stomach. He's not saying don't drink wine. He's actually saying don't get addicted to alcohol. Do you, do you always see them with a glass in their hand? Do they just feel like they, 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 they're, always, they're always drinking? Is, are they able to say no? No, no, I, I don't need to drink right now. Are they drinking in moderation? I think alcohol is part of our culture, isn't it? Actually, honestly, it's how we socialize, you know. Um, the thing about it, though, is that it actually, alcohol <laughs> brings down our defenses, okay? And we sort of like, can have a couple of glasses and we're saying things that we wouldn't normally say and we're doing things that maybe we wouldn't normally say, do. And, you know, we just got to know our measure. We got to know, actually, I've got to be at a place where my behavior is still above reproach, okay? And if you actually can't make it that, well, then don't drink. You know, that's the point. If actually you, you've, got to, you've got to weigh that one and measure that one so that actually you are, have got a good report wherever you are. Um, and I think there's just, I, I, I just want to kind of finish on this point is that it's, um, we need the discipline to know actually I don't, it's not like a habit. I think one can get in a habit where it's like you've got a busy day, busy work, you know, maybe you're you know, a mom or a dad and you're kind of, you're going home and you kind of had a fractious day and it's just almost like it's in a habit where you're kind of, oh, well, yeah, I'll have a drink or two every single night. <laughs> I think there's a point where you think, are you, is this becoming a bit of an addiction? Is this being something that is actually just becoming, you're kind of relying on? I think that's the point you've got to go, oh, hang on. Yeah, maybe it is. And I think that's what Paul's speaking into there. Third point, free from the love of money. Uh, the New Testament says a lot about money. Money causes us to wander from the faith, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6. The writer to the Hebrews says that be content with what you have. An elder needs to demonstrate a life that is not driven by money or amassing earthly riches, but that... One has a simple contentment with what actually God's given you. It, it doesn't mean living like a monk, okay? It's not, it's not lifting up poverty and saying, look, just try and be as poor as you possibly can. It's not saying that. But I think there's a, a place that is actually, um, that your lifestyle is in keeping with what is, what the church that you're pastoring can actually attain to. Yeah? Do you understand what I'm saying by that? So it's a kind of so it would be different if you were in, you know, some village in India, you would you would be again saying my lifestyle needs to reflect what actually the, the church that I'm pastoring can attain to. And I think there needs to be a, that, that sort of normality. You know, so I think um, you, you we just need some way of knowing that you know one of the best ways to make sure that we're free from the love of money 
and that's being great givers. Okay, that's one of the great. It's, it's amazingly effective of actually saying this. I don't. It doesn't rule me. Okay, I can say no. I'm going to give that away. I'm going to give that away, and actually. It's, it's a sense that actually it's not ruling me. It's, it is the best way, I think, of actually being completely free. Uh, now, obviously, we don't kind of brandish it around. It's not something that we kind of flout. The Bible's really clear about that. You know, we're not trying to show off uh, what we're giving. Okay? But I think that the church should expect that those that are leading them, those that are... That are Elders in the church should be leading the way in this. Right? It, it would be weird, would it not, if actually we were kind of, as elders, we were saying, oh yeah, yeah, give your money, and then actually we were not giving anything. You know, Actually, we need to be setting an example, the same point that we're being examples in this, that actually we are the first and that we've got a generosity of heart in this area. Fourth area is not being violent or quarrelsome. Um, temperate uh, is another word that's used there. There's a kind of calmness, not a rashness. Um, Paul says to Titus, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, and not pursuing dishonest gain. I think that being in control of your temper is a really important fact it it affects how others trust you you think about the person at work who just seems to lose their temper a lot there's a kind of sense of oh give that person a wide berth because you know they kind of have got a short fuse you know those kind of that, that kind of term that we use and I think um, we there's even points as I was thinking about it that I think sometimes that is used to control people so it's kind of a sense that actually, I'm, you know, you need to get this done, otherwise I'm going to really get angry, you know. And it's like, so it's used as a kind of control mechanism. And I think what Paul's bringing here about how we all should be, so again, I'm saying this isn't just elders, but I think, you know, it's something which elders need to really be demonstrating so that others can follow, is a self-controlled attitude and a and a calmness that we don't get worked up, that we don't get riled by situations, that we don't fly off the handle, that we don't end up kind of swearing and uh, uh, getting angry at people in that sort of way. There's a times where we need to confront stuff that's wrong, but we do it in a calm and peaceable manner, a gentle manner. So I think having a... a Having control on that. Uh, that Paul talks a lot about the new man and the old man. And actually we're, we're putting away these old things and we're putting on these new things. We're putting on kindness. We're putting on patience. We're putting on long-suffering. And I think that actually what Paul's saying is, you know, it's really important that actually elders lead the way in this. I think it's a bit like a continuum if you can kind of imagine, so we, we, we become, we, we, we get saved, we come to Christ, 
And we start that process. We're, we're, we're saying, I, I want to be more like, we're, we're justified, but we want to be more like Jesus. But it doesn't happen overnight. We have to kind of work on our minds and our behavior and things. We sort of, we take a few steps forwards and then we kind of, whoops, we, something, and we, <laughs> we, we take a couple of steps back and we're, we're kind of back and forth. And that's actually part of the growth process. Yeah, we've got grace for that in the church. We've got grace for everybody in the church that actually we're saying, we're not saying, you know, here's a high standard. Everybody's got to reach the standard. We're saying, no, no, we understand there is a process and there's going to be moments of failure. Any parent knows there's moments of failure where it's okay. Yeah, no, no, it's, yeah, yeah. No, you did screw that up. Yeah, (laughs) but it's fine. We've got grace for that. It's really important that you have a, a church that's got grace for people to grow and make mistakes. But, hear this point what I'm saying is on this continuum that when we're looking for elders they should be this end of the scale not that end and they should be up here and I'm not saying they never ever make a mistake but I'm saying they shouldn't be kind of going back and forth and back and forth they should actually be at a point where they're showing a, a consistency in their life and that's genuinely uh, observable yeah uh, and the fifth point that I'm uh, raising in terms of this uh, dealing with ourselves um, is receptive, particularly to apostolic direction. I think it's having a teachable uh, spirit. Uh, it being a thing where we um, are not just kind of like, look, I just, I know what I want and that's it. I, I'm not open to anything else. There's got to be an openness to actually uh, what is God saying? And also, what's the other guys in the team kind of pointing out? And I'm kind of like, yeah, no, that is a good point. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe I could have done that better. That takes a humility, okay? And when we have elders meetings, it's sometimes like that, okay? We actually have a, a humility. They actually were saying, I think you could have done that slightly better than that. You know, I, th- I think you missed it a bit there. And we've got to have a, yeah, no, you're right. I can see that. And so I think it happens with us, but I think it also happens apostolically. Apostolically, we look to this, uh, Dave Holden, who uh, leads this uh, family of network of churches called New Ground. Uh, it'll be Dave Holden who's going to be coming along on November the 3rd that we've been seeing about making the leader, uh, 3rd and 4th, uh, and we'll be laying hands on those guys that actually come through to eldership. Okay, so... Um, it, we need to be open to saying, Dave, speak into us as an eldership team. Speak into my life. And I want to give you openness to speak into my life and change me. We don't see that directly in this kind of scripture to Timothy and Titus. But what I want to say is that Timothy and Titus, by their, the very fact that it's being written to them and what they're doing, they are demonstrating that they are open to what Paul is saying to them. They are open. They've got an openness and a receptivity to actually hearing from God and hearing from Paul, um, who is helping them to be better leaders. Yeah. So those those are the five uh, first points, and then we're going to be looking at character traits that have more affect other people. Okay. And uh, I'm going to kick off this with hospitable. He said, "Well, surely everybody's got to be hospitable," and you're absolutely right. Uh, again. This is something that we should all be modeling and wanting to be, uh, having people around our homes, uh, putting people up, uh, being generous, providing food, um, allowing our home to 
bless others. Rather than saying, no, no, my home is my castle, my domain, it's my private space. You know, no one goes there. It's actually saying, no, no, my home is something which I want to open up. It is so good in terms of, uh, we really want elders, and Paul really wanted elders, to be um, accessible. Okay? So... It's quite hard for me, you know, here I am standing here preaching to you tonight. You get to know a little bit about me like this. You, you, you might hear at times me tell some stories about my family or whatever. You'll, you'll, you'll understand some bits. But actually the real way that you get to know me and to get to know my wife and to see our interaction and to see me at times with my children who are now grown up and grandkids is actually you, you come around my home. You see me when I'm kind of relaxed and stoking the fire and things like that. And you, know, you, 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 you therefore get to know us. And it's important that actually the church, that we're not sort of on some pedestal or something, that actually um, we're, we're vulnerable and you can actually access and see, well, what's their real lives like? What are they like just doing ordinary stuff? What are they like when, when their toddler is kind of like really playing up? Or their teenager is really getting stroppy. What are they like in that situation? Because I want to see. Because actually, if I'm going to model, if I want to know how to be like that myself, I need to see how you really deal with it. I don't want to just hear what you've got to say. I want to see you in action. So that's what it's saying. So part of hospitality is, is all, in, uh, all, all involved in that. Uh, where are we? Seventhly. Okay, we're nearly there. Seventhly, we've got the issue of an elder needs to lead his wife well. Now, we hear Paul say that it must be husband of one wife, faithful to her, managing his household well. I don't think Paul's saying an elder has to be married. Paul, I think, was married. Okay, So he's not saying that point. But he's actually saying that there's a lot of things we can see about somebody who is married, about how they handle their wife and their kids, and how they therefore might handle the whole church. If they actually can't make a good job of that, then surely we shouldn't trust them with the whole church of God. That's what he's saying. Now, as a church, we are complementarian in our view. We believe the husband leads the household. And uh, in Ephesians 5, Paul is speaking about husbands. He, speak, he addresses the husbands. He says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Laying down your life for her as Christ does the church. Sacrificing your comfort for her comfort. Leading well means helping her to be fulfilled and happy in God. Okay? And just to kind of make myself vulnerable here, you know, you guys should be asking Anne these things. So well, he's saying, oh yeah, this is what I do. But you need to be asking Anne. You need to see, is that happening? Am I, am I winning her in faith? Am I inspiring her to follow Am I, is she getting embraced with the purposes of God together? Or is it 
that I'm forcing, dictating, lording it over. Kind of, is she doing it out of duty? Because she feels she should do it? Out of kind of begrudging obedience? Well, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Or, or have I won her in faith? Which means that actually, honey, I'm, 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 I really believe God's in this. And, and actually there's a point where she rises in faith and she says, you know what? I do, I do. I, I, I've been listening to God myself and I, I, I believe that actually God's in this thing. And I'm with you on this. And let's go for this together. I think l- learning how to lead one person takes humility, openness and winsomeness. And I think these are the skills that we're saying that actually... Uh, an elder needs to have. And then he goes on to talking about fathering. In the same way we need to take a look at how they raise their family, if they have any. Obviously, um, when we look at these three guys in particular, okay, um, Andy, Sandy, and, and Chris. There's only Sandy who's actually got children right now, okay? Sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> the Andy Sandy thing, you really have to watch it because it kind of like it. it, it. Um, the, the general rule is that it should be, so what's the onus? What, what, what's Paul getting at here? He's saying, actually, if the kids are completely out of control and there's a kind of abdication, there's a kind of sense of, yeah, I know they're kind of like, you know, wrecking everything and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but I mean, what could I do? I mean, you know, they're just kids. Then there's a problem. Teenagers can get quite challenging. And I think the point that Paul's making is that we need to exercise discipline in a grace-filled way. We need to be consistent, level-headed, um, there needs to be a calmness in how we deal with things. At times we do need to confront, but actually we need to do it in a gentle way. And this is my ninth point. Okay, my ninth, my ninth point is we need to be gentle, not a bully. And I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. Here, Paul's heart in what he is saying about himself. So again, he doesn't say you guys need to be, you need to be, people are going to follow you. He's saying, this example is in me and just in the way that I'm like this, you guys need to be like this. We prove to be gentle among you, he says to the Thessalonians. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having so fond an affection for you, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our very lives because you become very dear to us. 2 Corinthians 10. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And to Timothy, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. There needs to be this kind of gentle manner, even when correcting those in opposition. It's not a business, it's a family. 
doesn't matter about the size. It's not a business, it's a family. We're a family all together. We're all in a family in this stage of actually following God together. God was really quite strong in the Old Testament in um, Ezekiel 34. And he speaks to the shepherds of Israel. And he says, you know what? You just you rip off the sheep. You are, you are really, really bad at it. And I'm really angry at you. And then interestingly, in the New Testament, Jesus in John 10, he's really, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We're seeing a complete opposite. We're hearing what Jesus does and how he lays down his life. As a complete opposite of that. And finally, number 10, excuse me, <clears throat> we've got able to teach. Okay, and again, Paul is not saying they have to have teaching as a main gift, but they need to be able to refute false doctrine. They need. Um, when false doctrine comes, they're like a gatekeeper in the church. So it's like they stand at the gate. They decide what comes in and what goes out. What's allowed in and what's not allowed in. And I think it's really important that elders actually have that role within the church. And it also says that they shouldn't be a new convert. They shouldn't be somebody who is kind of going to... Um, and the, the word it's used here is, is the word in Greek of typhoon, which you kind of get the word typhoon, which is kind of like clouded. They shouldn't be clouded with their own sort of self-importance, which can happen to new converts and also false teachers. We, they need to be a, have a godly character that actually understands the truth of God and stays humble in it, okay? knows their own measure. So, rounding it off, here we have it. A comprehensive list of godly character traits that we all can aspire to, that we should be able to immediately identify in the forthcoming elders. We all want to live lives that are above reproach, yes? We all want to live lives that are not addicted to alcohol, not controlled by excuse me, temper, not being enticed by wealth. We want to be hospitable. We want to be gentle with others. We want to be leading others in faith, winning them rather than bullying them, not being afraid to exercise order and discipline when needed. We want to be teachable and open to leadership, being able to expound the word of God to others in a clear, knowledgeable way, don't we? Every one of us. And we're saying... That's the thing that actually we should be looking at when we're saying who leads the church. They should show these things. I want to say this to you tonight. I want to say this isn't about the elders. We are here as elders to serve you. We really appreciate you and what you're doing. The time you put in, the money you give, the serving that you you have, I want to say, this church wouldn't be what, what it is and will not accomplish what it's going to accomplish without you. We are here as elders to facilitate and help you to grow in God. That's what we're here for. We want to 
help you do that to the best we can. We want to be good examples of it. And we want to take us into the future of all the things that God's got for us together. Amen? I'm going to leave you with three things. If you haven't filled in the email and kind of sent something and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this, or yeah, I love these guys, or, or no, I've got some issues here, I'd like to just raise a couple of points. We really want to hear from you. You've got five days to do it. Uh, and I'm really asking you, make sure you reply because it really does help. And it's a sense of ownership of the whole church. Thank you so much for all of you that have already done that. Secondly, do pray for us. Do pray that we continue to hear God for the future, that we lead the church in his purposes. And thirdly, I just want to encourage you, do come along on the 3rd of November where we're going to have the making of the leader during the day and then in the evening, just believing God to kind of lay hands on these guys. Yeah? Should we just stand up? I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for a wonderful church. I thank you, God, for all you've done. I thank you, Lord, that you're the one who keeps us and holds us. And I, 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 Lord, I know. I know there's, there's people here, sitting here tonight. God's got great purposes for you. God's got things in your life that he's going to use you in. And at the moment, you're in training at the moment. You're on that continuum. You're growing in God. But God's saying, yeah, there's going to be a day where I'm going to say, you know what, I, I really want to lift you up in this thing. And I, I want you to lead others. I want you to lead others. I want you to be an example to others in the workplace, at home, across the garden fence, in the flat stairwells. I want you to lead others. And Lord, I do just pray, God, for your grace on all of us, that we would grow and take on what you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen.